Welcome to the Mama Hive. My name is Sydney Moneto and I'm so happy you're here. My goal is to give all of us moms more tools so we can work together. Just like bees, we need to stick together as we work hard to keep our kids, their futures, and their communities vibrant and full of color and life. Hello, hello. Welcome to our first episode. To start, I'm just going to do a brief little intro. So my name is Sydney Minetto. I am the new mom to a little boy, Beckham. He is just the cutest little chubby baby ever. Um, I'm also married to a wonderful guy named Tyler. He's a real hottie and I'm grateful to have both their support in doing this. So just to get started, I have a passion for all things relating to children from um, childbirth to development and I've studied psychology and then I've worked professionally for the past seven plus years with kids, teens, and their families, specifically those kids that struggled with um, different things, whether social, academic, behavioral. Um, Some of them were big problems, some were smaller concerns, but as I worked with the families and with these parents, I realized a couple things. And once again, keep in mind, this was, I started seven plus years ago before I was even married, let alone had a child of my own. But the, the two main takeaways that I started to to get as I was working with these families over and over again was that one, parents are amazing. Parents are freaking rock stars because they champion for their kids. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, but I'm going to focus specifically on parents. So, and I get it now, the minute they hand you that baby, whether it's through adoption, whether it's your own child that you just delivered, whether it's a foster child that has come into your home, you will do anything to help them succeed. You truly will bend over backwards. And I remember hearing my own mom say that growing up. She just would always say, you don't know what it's like until you have one of your own. You will do anything for that child. And it's true. And I saw that commitment from the parents I was working with, yet they were in my office for a reason. Their child was struggling. And I've seen it not only professionally, but I've seen it with friends, with people at church, with family members. I see it with with strangers at the grocery store where I can see that uh, they have a child who's struggling in some way, shape, or form. So as I've, I've seen this, I've just come to terms with another thing, and that's that as parents and mamas especially, we are constantly bombarded with info on the best ways to raise our kids, on the best ways to be a parent and a mom. And it's so much of it is incorrect, even if it's meant well, if it's well intended, it still might not be the best information out there. I actually, a friend of mine from my Lamaze class, actually, she shared something the other day on social media that it said something along the lines of, To be a successful mom in 2019, you have to feed your kids organic food, but also be sure to give them sugar so they, you know, don't develop food issues, but make sure you homeschool them, but don't make them weird. So you got to send them to public school and don't forget about making all your, you know, your clothes themselves. And anyway, it was just this big, long thing. and, And I laughed literally out loud because it's so true. There are so many opinions and views. And honestly, a lot of them are right. But like I mentioned, there is a lot of misinformation out there. And that's why I'm here. My goal is to spread knowledge, things that I've learned over the past now decade between schooling and professionally. And these things have literally changed the way that I parent because of the experiences that I've had. And 
I also, you know, want to to share that knowledge and to have the knowledge of others, people that are experts in different areas that I'm not. And that is the goal is to increase that knowledge so that we can all create the best environment possible for our kids to thrive. Because isn't that the goal? Isn't that what we all want is for our children to thrive? But today I'm going to dive into just some basics regarding the brain. Uh, I'm a little bit of a brain nerd. My husband teases me about the number of Amazon books that come to the door that are brain related. I actually tease me about the number of Amazon packages in general that come to the door. Um, oops, well, not sponsored, but if that happens someday, I think my husband would pee his pants of joy. That would be the best news ever. So um, anyway, I digress, but I have a passion for learning and that's learning that I do on my own. It's trainings that I've attended, readings that I do, online seminars. Once again, I definitely glean a lot of information from others who are more knowledgeable than me in their given field. And then I just, I'm going to turn around and share that information. And this this part of me that loves learning about the brain, it really did start when I was younger. My dad's a psychologist, and I vividly remember that I would go into his office and I would skim through his books on his bookshelf. Everything from like who moved my cheese to I vividly remember flipping through the like the DSM one through four, which I had to Google what that even is, and it's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Psychiatric Disorders, which is a mouthful and I must have been a weird eight-year-old kid, or I just, you know, had found my calling early on. But I remember flipping through that and just being fascinated by the different things out there. There are a few things I will refer to in future episodes. And so I'm just going to kind of break them down here just so that moving forward, we're all on the same page. So one of these is epigenetics. Epigenetics is basically that our environment affects our genes. So while some of us or our kids may have certain genetic predispositions, there's research that shows that our genes can literally be turned off or on on like a cellular DNA level based on our environment. And the environment can include everything from the foods we're eating. You know, we now eat different foods we've ever had before. We have more processed foods, more packaged foods, food with additives and sugars and all sorts of junk. Um, factors like technology. We've never lived in a time where we have technology as much as we do now. We're constantly consuming it. It's constantly evolving and changing. And you know, other things like being an overly medicated society to the way that kids play or don't play. It's, it's changed. So this is this epigenetic concept goes back to even preconception. There are things that can be done to change the developmental trajectory for a child. So we'll talk a lot about these environmental factors in coming episodes and kind of break them down a little bit more. For some other basics about the brain are one, the brain develops through sensory input and motor movement. Sensory input being exactly what it sounds like through the five senses, sight, sound, touch, taste, smell. Movement, meaning through our fine motor skills and our gross motor skills. Fine motor with things like our fingers and our hands, gross motor skills, things with you know bigger, bigger muscles in our body, things like doing a jumping jack. Okay, number two, the brain has plasticity, meaning it can change at any age. For a long time, they didn't think that the brain was moldable, They basically thought that by a certain age, 
it, you were stuck. There was no way to change your disposition, your mannerisms. Um, if there was brain damage, they kind of thought that you were just SOL at that point. But now there is research that shows that the brain has plasticity at any age. There are clinics and professionals that work with um, the elderly population, those with dementia, different things like that, because they've shown that through those basic things, sensory input and motor movement, the brain can literally build new neural pathways and new connections. So that's the second thing. The brain has plasticity. Third thing, hemispheres. There are two hemispheres of the brain, the right and the left. These are often talked about, but they're not fully understood. And I for sure didn't fully understand them until I started working more in depth in this field and really broke down the specifics of it because I remember I was taking an AP psych class in high school and my main takeaway from the brain or the two hemispheres was that the right brain was like the artsy, colorful, fun brain and the left brain was like the math, boring, like black and white brain. And I guarantee that's not what my teacher taught. Shout out to Mrs. Johnson. She was the bomb. But I remember thinking like, okay, well, the left brain's good at math. The right brain's good at art. Crap. Like, I'm not good at either one of those things. I'm not necessarily super artistic, but I also am 100% not good at math. So I was, I kind of had like a, oh no moment. Like I'm in trouble. But um, once again, as I then kind of started to learn more and research and was trained more on it, the hemispheres are way more than just R in math. So the two hemispheres of the brain work together for almost everything. I mean, you need both sides of the brain working together to walk. The right side of your brain controls the left side of your body, and the left side of your brain controls the right side of your body. So in order to walk, you got to have both sides firing together, communicating with each other. So they work together for most everything, but there's one side that's typically more, I guess you could say, in charge of a certain activity that kind of takes charge and then the other brain helps and assists in the process. So let's look at a little bit more about the left and the right brain. So the left brain, I like to say that it's the L brain. It's linear, literal, logical. It's the brain that looks at the details, the small picture of things. It likes sameness and repetition. It is the brain that houses our verbal communication. So the literal words that we're saying, it's our small muscles, things like our fine motor skills, like handwriting, tying shoelaces, playing the piano. It deals with word reading. So our eyes literally moving from word to word and taking that in. It deals with math, cal math calculations. It houses our processing for our auditory input. So what's being said, but then our right brain kicks in and interprets that. The left brain also acts as the gas pedal. It's that go, go, go. So it's our motivation. It activates our immune response and more. Then there's the right brain. The right brain is the big picture brain. It makes decisions more off of emotions, less on the logic. It's very big on feelings, on social. It also houses our large motor movements, um, things that will help us in sports or different things like that. It's our emotional intelligence, our ability to in in interpret what others are saying or what they mean, what they're saying with their nonverbals. It also likes newness, novelty, and change. It also acts as the brakes for things like our immune response or ideas that we get. So the left brain says, 
go, 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 here's something, the right brain kicks in and says, whoa, 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 let's look at the bigger picture because it's the big picture brain and then we can proceed. So you can see that we need both. I mean, uh, the best example of that, in my opinion, is communication. The left brain is verbal, our verbal skills and the right brain is our non. So you're not an effective communicator if you literally only have one or, or the other. So if you only said words, just words as they were, no intonation, no inflection, no nonverbal cues, you could have a variety of meaning. And there are people like this that have so much of a left brain in this area that they're very poor communicators. They're people that don't seem to, you know, quote unquote, get it in social interactions. They might have the words, but they just can't seem to click. And then the flip side of this is if you have strong nonverbal skills, but then a hard time articulating them, you might you know, have the words in, in your mind, but you can't get them out. And that's when we have things like tantrums. Our body expresses it and shows it, and our words can't keep up with that. So both sides have to work together. And once again, the goal as parents is to create not only this balance within ourselves, but also provide this balance for our kids to have. And once again, because of environmental influences, there are more and more kids out there that the sides of the brain are not working in tandem. They're not working together like they're supposed to. Now that we understand a little bit more about the right and the left brain, I guarantee you'll start to see more people in your life will be like, oh, that's more right brain or, or that's more left brain, or you'll notice yourself doing something. I literally can't go to the grocery store without seeing a kid that I'm like, oh, that's more right brain dominant of them. Or <laughs> so we may or may not watch The Bachelorette sometimes. And one time my husband and I were watching and there was like some drama happening with a couple of the guys. And I remember saying out loud, I was like, he can't help it. He's just right weak. Like he's just not getting the nonverbals. My husband, his eye roll was like one for the books. He was like, you are seriously not relating the brain to The Bachelorette right now. And I was like, yeah, I am. It ties into everything. So it, it really does. And, and once again, a great place to look to try and understand it a little bit more is in your own relationships. Generally speaking, in close relationships, meaning a spouse, a significant other, even a really close friendship, like a best friend, there's generally one person that's more left brain dominant and one that's more right brain dominant. So for example, my husband and I, my husband, Ty, he's more left brain dominant. He's more logical. He's definitely more detail oriented. He looks more at, you know, the how to get there instead of always the why behind it. He is um, very good at looking at all the small pieces when making a decision where I am more emotion-based. I look at the big picture. I make a decision based on, you know, does it feel right? And it's so good for us in our marriage to have both because we help each other. I love novelty. He's way more routine-driven. We need both. He's helped me be way more routine with working out and I help him be a little more spur of the moment with other things. And it's so funny, we went on a trip a couple years back to Thailand and I was just planning things and there were some things that I was like, we'll just see when we get there and, and end up going wherever the winds take us. And he was like, uh-uh, we're not flying all the way there just to let the winds take us somewhere. So we had a happy medium, planned some stuff, did some stuff spur of the moment. But before we left... <laughs> He made a spreadsheet of different pieces of our trip 
And I remember legitimately being kind of like ticked. I was like, you are making a spreadsheet for our trip. Like that is going to ruin our trip. Like, so it was, it was just really funny because it just showed like for him, that left brain, he needed that organization. He needed the detail to go and have a good time. And I needed the newness and the novelty for me to have a good time. So evaluate your own relationships. Once again, whether it's with a spouse or a family member or a friend, and you'll probably see some patterns with that. So our dominant hemisphere truly does impact everything. It impacts everything from our social interactions and the way we interpret them, to our emotional responses to things, to our immune responses, to the way we interpret and go about solving a problem, whether it's a math problem in a school setting or an argument with a spouse or a coworker. It really does impact the way that we perceive the world and the way that we respond. And no human is ever, quote unquote, perfectly balanced in terms of the sides of the brain. We'll always have a more dominant side. My husband likes to lovingly remind me of this because of my background. I can be a little paranoid with our little guy. I can, you know, I'm I'm always worried about making sure he's balanced and he has everything. And my husband will tease me about it. But the goal really is to have as many tools and the correct tools that we can to help our children have properly developed brains. Because if your brain's not developed properly, you're going to have struggles. With a properly developed brain, our kids can interact with the world around them in an appropriate way. They can have the right motivation to do the things that they want to do and truly succeed, no matter what that looks like for your child. That is it for today. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Truly, I am so grateful that you took the time to be here with me and I'm excited for what's to come. like what you heard then share 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 wherever your heart desires you can find me at mama hive pod on instagram facebook or twitter and don't forget to subscribe for future episodes